Scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, the first chapter, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, as we come to your scriptures, to a story that's very familiar to all of us, we pray that your spirit might speak to ours so that what is a timeless story, one that can be so familiar that we miss its meaning. We pray that your spirit might give us new wisdom, an understanding that might direct our living today. So speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Joseph must have been so excited. You know, he's going to get married. And the best thing is the bride's family is going to pay for it. He was probably receiving congratulations from friends and family far away. There was a celebration to plan. Imagine just the music, the dancing, the food, the laughter. It must have all been in his, in his vision of what was to come. Then came the bad news. Mary was pregnant, and he wasn't the father. What would people say? More importantly, what would they do? Would they stone her? Would they put her out of town? Must have seemed like his darkest night. So he resolved to end the betrothal. He would do it quietly. But wouldn't people find out? Wouldn't they still be talking about him? Oh, in those days, the woman would be the one who would really pay the penalty. But he would nonetheless pay a penalty of shame, what would he tell them? Who would ever marry him now? It's as if he were cursed. What a nightmare. That's when God came to him in a dream. 
And in this dream, the angel spoke to him and said the baby was from God. Must have been hard for him to accept, even in a dream. And more importantly, the the angel says to him that the child would be named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isn't that the way God works? Think about it in in your own life. God often comes to us in our darkest night. You know, there, there are a lot of examples of God coming to people in their darkest moments. In the Bible itself, you can look back to Jacob. Remember how he wrestled with the angel on the banks of the river Jabbok? Wrestled all night until this messenger from God would ultimately bless him. He hung on, demanding that this strange visitor from God would bless him. He wouldn't let go until he was blessed. You see, he was returning home to his brother Esau, who had threatened to kill him years earlier. But most importantly, he was fleeing. He was running from his brothers-in-law, where he had spent the last several years. Uh, He had tricked them much as he had tricked his own brother. And they were out to get him just as much as his brother was. That's why he ended up wrestling that whole night with this angel. Maybe he was wrestling with himself. Certainly, this was a dark night for Jacob. Years earlier, he had to run from his brother when he had tricked him out of his birthright by by offering him a, a bowl of soup if his older brother would simply give him the the birthright of an older brother. And if that weren't enough, in cooperation with his mother, he actually lied to his father and, and ultimately stole his father's blessing, the blessing that was reserved for the eldest son. That's why he ran from from his brother Esau, and that's why he ended up out in the wilderness in the middle of the night in another dream. He, he dreamed of a ladder reaching up to heaven and angels ascending and descending as if communicating between Jacob himself and God. When Jacob awoke from his dream, he set up a stone and he called it Bethel, which means house of God. And he said, surely the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. His son Joseph, one of many of Jacob's sons, had a dark night as well. He had a dark night when he was thrown in a pit by his brothers. They didn't like how God had blessed him, how his own father had given him that coat of many colors. And they had had enough of him. They threw him in a pit and they, and they debated whether or not they would kill Joseph, but ultimately they thought it was more to their benefit if they would sell him into slavery. And so he was taken away by the Ishmaelite merchants that passed by, sold into slavery, and he would eventually find himself in Egypt. Yet in spite of the darkness of that moment for him, 
we know what happened with Joseph. He, he became the right-hand man to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Certainly God came to Joseph in his darkest night, just as God came to his father Jacob out in that, that wilderness on the night that he wrestled with the angel. Elijah, even before them, had his own dark night. He defeated 450 prophets of Baal in a sort of competition. And because he won, he killed these prophets. You might say he was a sore winner, not just a sore loser. And so he had to run from it for his life because Jezebel was out to kill him. She was the queen. She didn't like what he had done to, his, to her prophets. He found himself in a, in a dark cave. It may not have been night, but it probably felt like night to him. He looked for God all around. He looked for God in fire and an earthquake and, and a strong wind, but God wasn't there. God came to him in a still, small voice. In essence, God came to him in his darkest night. Then there's this story in the New Testament of the Ethiopian eunuch who had traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. He was a convert to Judaism, and he wanted to go there in a sort of pilgrimage to to show his faith in God. Well, because of the fact that he was a eunuch, the Scriptures made it clear that eunuchs would not be allowed into the temple. Because he was wealthy, he was the, he was the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia, Queen Candace. He rode in a chariot, and so undoubtedly people looked askance at him both because of his racial background, being from Ethiopia, and also because of his great wealth. But probably what, what tore his heart the most was when he was rejected at the doors of the temple. He was on his way back on the road to Gaza, reading the scriptures of Isaiah. And that's when Philip came and encountered him. Philip had been sent there by the Holy Spirit and here in the Ethiopian's darkest night, God comes to him in the form of this, this follower of Jesus named Philip. And after their conversation, after Philip unveils the real meaning of Isaiah's passage, the Ethiopian is converted and wants to become a follower of Christ himself and, and asks that the chariot be stopped so that he could be baptized perhaps in an oasis in the desert. God came to the Ethiopian in his darkest night, as God did with all the ones before. Centuries later, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, got into trouble in Georgia. He had come over from England to, to be involved in, in a mission in Georgia, hoping to convert some of the Native Americans to the Christian faith. He got into trouble with the governor's daughter. Well, I should say they, well, they, they had a relationship that was broken off. 
he was so troubled by the breaking of this relationship that he denied communion to the, to the daughter of the governor, which was not a politically expedient thing to do. So he had to leave in the middle of the night. He was about to be arrested by the governor. He left in the night, and as he crossed the Atlantic Ocean, a storm came up, and he really thought that he was going to die beneath the waves of the Atlantic Ocean. But there was a Moravian group on board, and they sang hymns throughout, throughout the storm that had a great impact on his life. When he finally made it back to London, he went to a Bible study on Aldersgate Street. And there we read in his journal, his heart was strangely warmed. John Wesley, you see, found that God would come to him even in his darkest night. When all seemed lost to him in Georgia, when he thought that God could, wasn't even there, let alone could use him in service, God comes to him warms his heart and directs him in a new direction. When I lost my parents at a young age, especially on that Pennsylvania turnpike, as I stood out on the, on the roadside and looked out and saw the stars in the sky, I can remember as a 10-year-old boy just crying out, Why, God, why? I, I knew that my mother had died in that crash only learned later that my younger four-year-old sister died as well. Over the years, I found that God was trying to tell me I was asking the wrong question. The question wasn't why, but where? Where is God and where am I to be? And what I learned throughout the course of my life is that God was right there on that roadside and God has travel with me throughout my whole life. Wherever there were troubles, wherever there was pain, God sent angels along the way to, to make my life more fulfilling. I think uh, Pat Keats is here. She knows something about God coming to one in the darkest of nights. She has told her story several times about how women in the church, first in a Bible study, then in a smaller subgroup, walked with her through some very difficult times as she confronted cancer in her own life. And what she learned is what I learned, and what John Wesley learned, and what the Ethiopian and Elijah and Joseph and Jacob, what all of them learned is that God often comes to us in our darkest of nights. So what about you? Are you living through a dark night? Is, are you wrestling with something in your, in your own living? Or do you know someone else who is? If you look closely, if you listen very carefully, you'll find that God is there, right there in the midst of, of the difficulty. The truth is that God is always there. God is there when the, when the skies are blue and the sun is shining, and God is there when it's raining and when there's a snowstorm. God's always there, but often in the good times, we, we never look for God. We simply soak in the sun and, and enjoy the good times of our lives. It's in the tough times, it's in the dark times, it's in the struggles of our life, even within the struggles of our church, that we realize we need God, we can't go it alone. 
that we need to find the God who walks with us, who wrestles with us, who travels with us the journey of life that can have some bumpy roads. That's why if we look, if we look in the darkness, we'll find God patiently waiting for us to see. God often comes in our darkest night. They shall name him Emmanuel, the angel said to Joseph, which means God is with us. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us for going through life thinking that we're alone. Forgive us for thinking that that only if our life is in order are you there. Forgive us for thinking that the difficulties uh, suggest that you aren't there. Show us that it's in our most difficult times of our lives that you are most present. If we but have the eyes to see and the faith to believe. Amen.